Will you turn with me, if you have your Bible, please, to the Gospel of Mark? Mark, please, chapter 1. And if you're too warm, like me, please uh, try and make yourself as comfortable as possible. You're among friends. If you have a, a tie, you can take it off. I'll keep mine on. If you have a jacket on, you can take it off. I'll keep mine on. And if your shoes are too tight, keep them on. Okay. So make yourself as comfortable as possible. Uh, and uh, we'll just gather around the Word of God for a few moments. Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning to read at verse 1. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, behold... I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with a camel's hair, with camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And it shall come to pass in those days that Jesus came and it came to pass in those days, excuse me, in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son in whom I I'm well pleased. We know the Lord will bless this evening the reading of his own inspired, divine, and precious word in public. Bless us by in a word of prayer. Eternal Father, again, we thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus. And Father, we thank you that you gave him the darling of your bosom. You gave the apple of your eye that we guilty, vile, hell-deserving sinners might be saved. Lord, while your word tells us that there's none righteous, no, not one, and all of sin that come short of the glory of God, yet, Lord, none of us could save our son, the Lord, rescue our souls. But we thank you, Father, that you gave your son, the Lord Jesus, and that, Lord, you came all the way. and know oh, that you lived a life that we couldn't live, and you kept the law that we couldn't keep, and there on Calvary you died in our place. We thank you for your precious blood that you shed. We thank you, Lord, that we're washed and covered and cleansed in the blood who have come by faith to Calvary. And Father, we ask you tonight, if there's one or some in here this evening who, Lord, have either wandered away or some, maybe, Lord, who have never yet come to saving faith in thy Son, that tonight would be the night, Lord, that they would find themselves winding their way to the foot of the old rugged cross. We pray, O oh God, that you would speak to hearts, bless your people, strengthen them and encourage them. We pray, O oh God, that thy blessed spirit he would have his way 
in our midst and in the hearts of men and women, young and old, this very evening. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're sovereign. You're still on the throne, that, Lord, you're no longer on the cross and no longer in the tomb, but you're risen from the dead and ascended and glorified. And we just praise you and worship you tonight. Now touch this man with clay lips, Lord, and anoint him that he might rightly divide the word of truth and speak well of thy beloved Son. We also ask you, Lord, for those that will go through the waters, even as it's been prayed tonight, we ask you for your blessing to be upon them. Take away any nerves and, Lord, give them an an anticipation of something good in their life that's about to happen and give them the strength and the courage to go through, through the waters and on to follow thee. For we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. John the Baptist is in the wilderness baptizing. And Mark in his gospel tells us in verse 2, As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. And what the Holy Spirit is saying to Mark here to let you know and I know and the people of his day know was that around 400 years before this happened, the Lord said a messenger would be sent and that messenger would be filled with the Spirit and that messenger would prepare the people's hearts and prepare the way of the Son of God. That God in flesh himself would come and that this messenger would go before him preaching to prepare the people and to warn them of the judgment that is to come to all that would not receive him and all who would reject him. And hence we find here, this is the very moment that the prophet Malachi in chapter 3 and in verse 1 spoke about. Now Malachi is the last prophet or the last book in the Old Testament. Now think about this. Think about this. There were 400 years between Malachi and here the coming of John the Baptist and then the Lord Jesus Christ to the river to be baptized of John. 400 years had passed. And you might think, well, you know, that's an awful long time. And it is a long time to you and to I because many generations will pass away this scene of time and go out into eternity in 400 years. But God had said it would come. And I wonder... How many people laughed at the prophet? How many people looked at this prophet Malachi and thought he was absolutely mad for thinking that God would send a forerunner to warn the people and as Malachi would get older and as time would go on and it would start to stretch and generations would die, they might talk about Malachi because they've read in the scriptures. And they would say, ah, that must have been a false prophet must have been a false prophecy because we haven't seen the forerunner and now 400 years passes but then suddenly he comes and the Christ comes he was prophesied but here John the Baptist is that forerunner the one prophesied 400 years before this tells me that God keeps his word this tells me that God says what he means and he means what he says this tells me also that the Bible says that you and I to be saved, that we must be born again. This tells me that the Lord says to you and I that we're all 
under condemnation, and we're all sinners who are outside of Christ. This tells me the word says that it is forever settled in heaven. And God spoke through Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1, and there 400 years had passed. Those people were thinking, there is no such thing as God. I don't believe in God. If God was real and his prophets were real, then surely he would have done what he said by now. But you see, God's time clock is not your time clock. God's time clock is not my time clock. And 400 years had passed. When we go in to the next verse, into verse 3, this messenger will be the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Make his path straight. Now, if you think it was bad in time reference that Malachi was 400 years away, almost 400 years before that, almost 400 years before Malachi, Isaiah said, and he said there would come one who almost ate her wilderness. Here's almost 800 years has come to pass. Almost 800 years. And suddenly, well, where is he? So Malachi steps up after Isaiah and says, no, the Lord's going to send the messenger. And everyone for the first 400 years is going, yeah, yeah, we've heard all those Bible stories before. We have read about the prophets before. I heard about it in my, as it were, Sunday school or then Saturday school. I know about it. I've heard about it. We used to sing songs about it, sure, when we were children. And where is he? Where is this forerunner? But greater still, where is this Christ? Where is this Christ? 400 years from Isaiah to Malachi, almost 400 years from Malachi, and suddenly, so even if it's 750 to 800 years, has passed. Peter tells us that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. Notice, a day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. So really, when we think about it, When we think about it from this day here, 2,000 years ago till now, in the economy of heaven's time clock, two days have passed. Two days have passed. It's like it happened on Friday past. And now we're two days down the road. And listen, your life may have been, you may be young, you may be middle-aged, you may be older, you may be nine or you might be 90. It doesn't matter how short of a time in heaven is 90 years of age, 100 years of age. It is about a few seconds and it is but a few moments. It's but a few seconds and a few moments. But here's the thing. See, we think we have such a long time. The scriptures also tell us to boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day might bring forth. Many a person and many a family have been thrown into turmoil and hardship and and mourning and grieving over one moment, let alone one day. John the Baptist appears on the scene. It's as if he comes out of nowhere. He appears on the scene. And here in Mark's gospel it says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Verse 2 it says, he shall prepare thy way before thee. 
This is the, the father speaking to his son. In the Old Testament, the scriptures, the father speaking to his son. He says, my son will come and the messenger will speak before you. He will prepare the hearts of men and women before my son comes. And John the Baptist comes and starts to preach in the wilderness and all of Judea and Jerusalem start to come out to hear him preaching and they start giving their lives to Christ and he starts to baptize them. Starts to baptize them. John the Baptist, his name Baptist, he gets it from John the baptizer. He baptized them in water. Or some people call him John the immerser or John the dipper. He dipped them in and then he tipped them out. And that's how he baptized. Now, they were lined up through the wilderness. He's found some place of much water, and hence they would have been baptized. Notice this. It says here, the word prepare is in verse 2. And the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight, is in verse 3. See the word prepare? It's written in the original Greek text with what is known as given with a military snap. It's given as though it is a sergeant, if you want, to put it in modern terms, on the parade ground, and he's drilling it into the troops, and it's a military snap, as if he was to go, attention! Attention! And here it says, he shall prepare, he will cry, he will be like a a sergeant, as it were, in in modern day, he will be like a, a soldier over a garrison, who will give them the order, prepare ye the way of the Lord! That's the way it reads. That's the way it reads in the original text. Prepare ye. Can I ask you, are you prepared? Are you prepared to meet the Lord? Should he come or should he call? Are you prepared to meet the Lord? Listen, see in the, the prophet Amos, Amos chapter 4. We have, even up before that, but we have the Lord and he's talking about the things that he's done with the nations around about Israel. And he mentions Moab and he mentions this, the Syrians in their capital city of Damascus and, and he mentions Tyre and, and he mentions different ones and because of their sin for, for three and four transgressions, it means because they kept sinning, he says, I have done this to them. Because they wouldn't listen, I've done this. And so Israel gets a little bit smug. <laughs> Isn't it great when it happens to everybody else, but you're left alone? Isn't it great when you are left alone and you see all these things happening? You well, I'm so glad that's not my home. I'm so glad that's not my house. I'm so glad that's not my marriage. And I'm so glad that's not my body. And I'm so glad that I haven't got that sickness. And I'm so glad the person hasn't died in my family the way they have. But see when it comes home to you. See when it wraps your door. Do you see when it wraps your real to you? Now that's something different. It's real to you. It makes you care. And in Amos chapter 4, the Lord is saying, because of three and four transgressions, he mentions them. This has happened. And Israel are getting smug. Aren't we great? Sure, I don't need God. Do you need God? Do you want the Lord? And you go around your friends. And all, do you believe in God? And do you believe? And do you believe? And your friends are going, ah, all that old God stuff. But then the Lord turns to Israel. 
And he said, now Israel, because of your sin, Amos 4 and 12, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. And he wasn't saying, I'm coming to be nice to you. He says, I will bring upon you what I brought upon the heathen around you. I'll bring in your house what I brought in their house. I'll bring to your home what I brought to their home. Prepare to meet thy God. Are you prepared to meet the Lord? Are you saved? Are you born again? Are you prepared? Listen to the Lord Jesus in John chapter 14 and verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Isn't that what he says? No man cometh unto the Father but through me. Isn't that fantastic? But he's the only way. He's the only truth and he's the only life. Yet we try to get there some other way. But he also tells the disciples, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. I go, he says, to prepare a place for you. Now he's speaking to those who love him, are serving him, and are following him. He says, I'm going to my father, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Would you be in that place? Because heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Heaven is a a prepared place for prepared people. And the Lord Jesus is a way to prepare a place for his people, for those who are trusting in him, for those who claim him as their own personal Lord and Savior. Jesus believes in preparation and hence the forerunner of Mark chapter 1 is sent forth to prepare the hearts of people. Do you know what I'm doing tonight? I'm trying to prepare the hearts of people before they meet the Lord. I'm trying to prepare the hearts of people before they meet the Lord. I remember one night I sat and talked to an old man. It was after the meeting. Wait a Try to persuade him. Try to persuade him. He was full of his religion. He was full of his denomination. He was trusting in christening, you know, the sprinkling of the water. It's not in the scriptures. It's nowhere here. I was sprinkled too. Protestants and Catholics do sprinkling. It's not in the scriptures here. Ah, but I, when I was a, when I was a boy, when I was a boy, he was at the meeting and I pleaded with him. As Paul said, I persuaded him to turn his life over to Christ, to yield his heart, to repent of his sins. And the man went out the same way he came in and that night he drove home. And he hit a tree on the way home and he's stone dead. He didn't make it home. Prepare to meet thy God. I'm here to prepare you tonight. Are you prepared to meet the Lord? Are you ready to meet the Savior? John the Baptist was crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. In other words, Everything that's in your life, every area of your life, every part of your life, everything that is 
hindering you in your life, your friends even, your even family members. Oh, what am I going to tell my friends if I give my life to Christ? What would I say to my workmates? And, and what would I do when such and such ask me? And how would I get through this? Listen, friend, this is not about us asking you to join our church. Our church can't save you. And I can't save you. This is about you coming into right relationship with the only one that can, the Lord Jesus Christ. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his path. In other words, if a, if a, a sovereign was coming in from another country, what they done was they filled in all the potholes. They even tried to work their way through mountains if they could, that he didn't have to go up and over or the whole way around it. And they would have worked for a long time And every time they were using hammer or chisel or carrying rocks out of the way or filling in a hole, all they could think of was, the king is coming. Or all they could think of was, the Lord is coming. Or someone of another nation, a country is coming. We have to be ready for him coming. Smooth out his path. And John the Baptist says, that's what you must do before you meet the Lord. So are you prepared? Are you ready? Are you saved? Notice here, it says, the voice of one crying. Now you might come in tonight and you might be from another assembly and not used to somebody like me. Somebody that gets excited. Somebody that is loud. May not be used to someone like me, but let me tell you something. The word crying here, uh, uh, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, it gives the idea, uh, the original word gives the idea to cry so much, so loud, with such passion, it manifests out. In other words, I remember the night I got saved, and I seen Pastor James McConnell preaching. It's the first time I'd ever seen a man preaching like this or heard a word like this, and I'd been to the odd thing here and there. I was a Presbyterian in brackets. I was never there. It's not their fault. It was mine. But every time I heard of something, it was just so mundane or it was so boring or it meant nothing and it didn't register with me. And I didn't even know you had to be saved. I thought you just were a good boy and you cleaned up your life. And I wasn't prepared to do that. But this night I went in full of alcohol and drugs. And as I walked in, I seen him preaching. I seen him on preaching with all of his heart, manifesting that he really believed what he said. That he really, truly, honestly, with all of his heart, believed everything the Scripture said, and hence it was manifesting out of him through the Spirit and the Word. I caught hold of it, or rather the Spirit caught hold of me. This is the idea of John preaching in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord! Prepare ye the way of the Lord! He was in earnest. He was serious. And he was anointed. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Now manifest from him. This man knew him. And he wanted everybody else to. Are you prepared tonight? Or will you go home tonight. Without knowing Christ. If you don't already know him. It says here. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And verse 4 says, John did baptize in the wilderness. 
Just want to end to close this part, and then we'll talk a little about baptism. Here's the thing about this. John did. Strange little word, that isn't it? John did. And the idea of this that John did, it's, it's not really used in our English vocabulary. It's not, it's not able to describe it, what it really means. And John did baptize in the wilderness. So we had Isaiah 400 years. We had Malachi to John coming 400 years. John did baptize. This is what it means in the original Greek text. It gives the idea of a person appearing on the stage of history. And it was more than just something happened in history. It meant it was an epoch of time. In other words, what the prophets had said, it seemed so long and it was never going to happen. Then suddenly, John comes and he's baptizing. This is him. Something happened as an epoch of time. Changed the history of humanity. Changed the history of our world and of the nations. It changed history altogether. This epoch of time by the Lord manifesting a man on a stage to prepare the way of the Christ. Started to prepare hearts who would come to Christ. And he not only changed time. He changed people's destiny for eternity. Christ changed people's destiny for all eternity. You know, whenever I got saved, oh, the night I went in and I got saved, I remember, oh, well, I was in a stupor of alcohol and drugs for days, laying on a floor, laying on a doss house. I can't remember much. The next thing I'm listening to the gospel. Hadn't been in church for years and years and years, and I don't know what had happened to me. But remember the night I went in and I heard the word of God and heard that Christ died for my sins, that my only help and rescue and hope of heaven and salvation was through the cross work of Christ, was coming and believing in him and receiving what he has done and believing it with all my heart being washed by faith in the blood of the Lamb, repenting of my sins. And that night I got saved. And listen, not only was time changed for me, eternity was changed for me and my destiny was changed for I went from the broad road to destruction to the narrow way. I went from the road to hell to the road to heaven. The road to heaven. Christ Changes lives. He sets the captive free. Please don't tell me. Oh, people come in and say, Oh, I, I, I couldn't give my life to Christ because, you know, I drink too much. Listen. You say, mate, say, I, 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 I'll clean my act up and then I'll come. No, you won't. You come as you are in repentance to Christ and he cleans your act up. You come as you are and, and he takes you and he guts you from the inside out. Listen, if you go fishing, is there any fishermen here? I know there's one or two, but I haven't seen, heard of them catching anything yet. And it's not right, Ian. Stan, where are you? You're about there, are you? And they go fishing. Do you, do you got to fish before you catch it? No, you, you catch a fish and then you got it. When you come to Christ, he guts you out and he changes your very heart's desire. He changes for you. He, he changes your thinking, changes your destiny. Changes eternity for you. He changes you. He washes you in his blood. And he declares you righteous. Justified by faith. 
freely in Christ. And these people here had repented of their sins at the preaching of John. And you know what they've done? They said, what do we do next? He says, be baptized in water. Be baptized in water. That's what the candidates are going to do tonight. John did it baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Repentance is a bad word today, isn't it? Repentance means a change of mind and a change of heart. A change of mind and you'll have a change of heart. Listen, maybe somebody here You've come in with one mindset and now God's speaking to you. You'll change your mind. He gives you a new heart. Repentance is a 180 degree turn. I'm walking after all these things of the word and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And suddenly I hear the gospel. I'm a sinner. He's the savior. And he changes my mind. And I turn around and start walking away from those things and walking towards the follow Christ. By the way, repentance, it means here the baptism of repentance. Little word off, just for those who are stroking teas. The word off here is the word ice. And it really means because of. Not when you get baptized, your sins are washed here. Your sins are washed in the blood. It's the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Christ that washes your sins. Uh, the, the idea here is, is baptism of repentance. The word ice, it means because you've repented. For example, in Matthew 12 and verse 41, Jonah goes to preach to those at Nineveh and it says, and they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And the word at is ice as well. So it means they repented of their sins. They had turned around and they had been cleansed of their sins by believing in the blood and they were in the water to be baptized. And so we see that we receive remission of sins. So I close with this and just a couple of thoughts on the baptism itself tonight. The word remission means to release from bondage. Remission of sins. That Christ will release you from the bondages of sin. The bondage of sin. The fetters of sin. That Christ will release you like a prisoner with his chain and Christ comes and he takes him off you and sin has no hold on you anymore. Sin has no hold on you. People say, well, it hasn't hold on me. Oh, it has a hold on everyone outside of Christ. And maybe you're saying, well, I've done this. I wish I could get rid of this. Come to Christ tonight and he'll set you free. For he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The candidates that are going through the water tonight, here's a couple of quick questions and answers that they might ask. They might say, well, why go through the waters? Why am I being baptized? And people might ask you, why are you doing it? So briefly, first of all, we baptize people by full immersion in the water. We baptize them because... We are following the master's example. 
we are following the master's example. Even in our reading, the Lord Jesus Christ was baptized of John. And hence, his example is our example. Secondly, you're being baptized tonight because you are obeying the master's command. You're obeying the master's command. In Matthew 28, in verse 19, it says, The Lord Jesus said to the disciples, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So you're following the master's example. You're following the master's command. And thirdly, you're being baptized tonight because you are under, coming under the teaching of the apostles the teaching of the apostles and the revelation through the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Fourthly, you're being baptized tonight, and it will be that you're saying, I am dying to self in front of all of these people. And there is a watery grave as you're laid back in the water. It will close over you for a split second. And you'll come up again saying, Now I am following on after Christ. That all these people know that I am following on to know the Lord and in obedience to him and to his word. And lastly, you're being baptized tonight to identify yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's five brief points for you why you're being baptized. Now, is there someone here tonight and you're saved and you're not baptized and you realize I should be baptized because it's in the scriptures and I'm not yet baptized and you want to get in the tank tonight? I'm not going to ask you to get in your suit now. We have spare clothes, spare towels. You can come, go and get changed, come in with the rest of them, and you can get baptized. And is there anyone else that would like to get baptized tonight while they're here? Is there? I think we have 19 at the minute going through the waters, or in our couple were to go, but they can't make it tonight. Is there anybody here? And you say, I want to get baptized. I'm saved. Okay. If you change your mind, you can let us know before the end of the night. Is there anyone here and you're not saved? I didn't say to you go to church, you're not saved. You want to receive Christ as your Lord tonight? Is there anyone here and you've fallen away from God? You used to follow him and used to love him, but you've walked far away. Is there anyone here and you don't know him as your Lord and Savior? Will you bow with me in a word of prayer? Let's all bow our heads for a second. Is there someone here and you're not saved and you realize, I'm not prepared, I'm not right with God. I want to leave here tonight prepared and right with God. If you're not saved and you know you're not saved and you'd like to be saved and no one else is looking but myself, lift up your hand and take it down. We'll say, we'll pray for you. We're not going to embarrass you now. Lift it up and down again. I'm not saved. I'm not ready. Should the Lord come? I'm not prepared for the Lord. I've never come to faith in Christ. Is there someone here on a baptismal night, you'll say, I, I need saved. I want to get saved. I want to be ready for the coming of the Lord. 
I'm not going to auction off the Lord here. I just want to see is there someone here and you're not right with God and you'll say tonight, I want to come to the Lord. Lift up your hand, we'll say it. We'll take it and take it down again and we'll, we'll just pray for you. For anyone in your fallen away from the Lord and you realize I, I need to get back to God, I'm not ready, I'm not prepared, should he come? Should he call? Is there one that wants to come to him tonight and say, thank you for waiting for me, Lord. Thank you for your long suffering with me, Lord. Is there one that will say tonight, Lord, I want to make my way back to the cross, Lord. Is there one? Before we close this meeting, let us see your hand just up quickly. No one else is watching, only myself. And what we'll do is we'll just, we're not going to embarrass you. We just want to pray with you afterwards. We'll talk to you. But just indicate to me that you want to get right with God tonight. And if you do that, we'll talk to you after the meeting this evening. Let us see your hand. Where are you? God's dealing with you, speaking to you. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart as there one before we go on further. Father, will you speak to this congregation even when man's voice is silent? We know that you are speaking, Lord. We sense the conviction in our hearts and in this meeting. Lord, we are aware there's a tug of war going on and we pray, Lord, that you, Lord, would overcome the flesh of man and the mindset of man and that you would draw men and women to your son. That tonight, Lord, that they would be born again of your spirit or return to the fold. Bless your people, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.